What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. Because the Warhorse will fight until he breathes his last breath. I got the whole damn world in my hands. Your arms are just too short to box with God. You just made the list! But the man is back. Daddy's home. Ricky ain't about just taking titles. I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am Napalm Death. Welcome to Villain Enterprises! WrestleManiacs, welcome back yet again to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. It's Season 5, Episode 8. I am your host, Nate. That's not supposed to rhyme. That's not my time. Anyways, welcome back again to the show once again, my cohort, the man, the myth, the legend, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever pod will be. Welcome back, Buckles. How's it going, brother? You know, I- I'd make a, uh, you know, I'm a poet and didn't even know it joke, but uh, I have some, some semblance of self-respect. Just minute at this point, but it's still there. <laughs> now I'm doing good. Good. Doing I mean, all it's, right. It's good to hear, man. Uh, it's really weird uh, times we live in right now because I feel like the wrestling world is a gas pedal. And what I mean by that is sometimes your foot is on the gas. And there's so much, too much, the most yep. to cover. And other weeks... It's a little bit slow, and there's not a lot to talk about, and there's a lot of um, space between things. So, this week I feel like it's a little bit of a slower episode. I feel like we're just going to kind of peruse and groove our way into the episode, man. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just be honest with you. I haven't been watching a lot of wrestling per se, but I have been watching a lot of wrestling interviews, whether it be Chris Van Vliet or... I actually listened and heard a really interesting story today that I wanted to share, and this is maybe where we kick the show off. Um, So Jim Cornette answered a rumor on his show about something that was pitched in the early 2000s, okay? And I need to tell you what this is and get your opinion, and then I'll tell you whether or not he reveals, uh, you know, where it sits in the reality. So apparently in the early aughts or late 99 – China, Joni Lar, was um, officially signing on to do Playboy. Okay? All right. And there was going to be this big deal, and she's going to go to the two. She's is essentially the whole uh, Sable thing all over again. Right. But according to this myth, Vince said, don't do it, and I'll give you the WWF championship. Actually, crown her WWF champion. Big belt. 
the belt. And if, right. and if you remember, now okay. think about where we are in that time. She's feuding with Jericho. She's feuding with Eddie. She's had the Intercontinental title. She's okay. chased the European right. title. She might have even right. held the European title at one point, I think. But oh, she did. It so, was either European or IC title. I can't remember. So she really breaks the barrier of, oh, a woman can or cannot hold X belt. So my question to you is, do you think this is something that actually happened, or is this all horseshit? Um, I can't... I'm going to say bullshit, just because of the timing. If you were to tell me that Vince was going to okay putting the belt on a female wrestler today, I might buy it. It'd have to be Charlotte or Sasha, maybe Bailey, but either one of those two, Charlotte or Sasha. Shayna as well. I see it. Because Shayna's a Becky, powerhouse Becky as well. Yep. Becky would be the other one, or uh, or uh, provided that she stayed around, Rousey could have done it too. But that's now. 99, 2000, 2001, I don't buy it. Just because, yes, China's breaking barriers, China's getting the undercard titles, yes, but we're still kind of pre, I don't know, I'm not going to say pre Trish and Lita, but it was a big deal just for a woman to get on the main event of the show. Like, it was a big deal for those two to main event raw. Absolutely. In a singles match. So, we didn't get the first women, you know, made of any a pay per view even for a long, for 10, 15 years after that. I don't think that women's wrestling would have been a high enough draw, even for a shock moment, for Vince to do it. If it, if he had done it, if he had done it, it would be a like Jericho winning the uh, or beating Triple H and then having to relinquish the belt immediately afterwards. Something like that, maybe, but otherwise, no. I just don't see Vince at that time regarding any women's wrestling high enough to do that. I can see him maybe bullshitting China. And telling her that possibly, but I don't see him ever actually having any intention of going through with it. Well, like I said, it was such a crazy thing that I had to click on it and listen to what right. Cornette said. And uh, yeah, it was total bullshit. Both things are bullshit. She was never offered Playboy. That did not happen. And also, at least say, by at least yeah. by his account, was never offered the title. And that just wasn't something that at the time Vince even thought about. That wasn't even a a, a, yeah. a, a fart in the wind, like, as it were. You know, like it wasn't even a proper idea. Yeah, like other than I could see Vince doing it to grab a headline. Because Vince is nothing if not an ambulance chaser for headlines and stuff like that. Sure. However, even at his most Vince Russo, I don't see him pulling that. At least at that time. At um, your most Vince Russo, be an Eric Bischoff. You know? Like, turn left. No, you, you don't want to be at your most Vince Russo. You don't want to be any Vince Russo. You don't want to be a little bit Vince Russo. No, no. You don't want to be Vince Russo. Not at all. Yeah, you a Russo brother, maybe sure. Hey, Russo brother, sure, absolutely. They're making fact. Not Vince. Vince. Vince is the Vince is the retarded cousin they don't talk about. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it though. Like, um, I I take anything Cornette says with a massive bag of salt. Anyway, like I expect bullshit to come out of his mouth regardless of what's Sh- going on. Sure. Um, we've had many conversations about Cornette on the show before. Uh, but I, here's the weird thing. 
like it seems to me uh, the other the other major like wrestling opinion that I normally do trust to be Dave Meltzer and he's got a known blind spot when it comes to women's wrestlers too like he's known for his rumors and uh, usually having the backstage ear for whatever's going on but he doesn't seem to have as good an ear for women's wrestling like he's wrong as often as he's right and that's from somebody I actually respect. So I don't know if I trust Cornette's opinion more than that. <laughs> no, it's it's difficult to trust Cornette's opinion because he does have a lot of those like 50-50 things. And you watch the behind-the-scenes stuff and you'll hear three stories. And two people tell the story pretty similar. And then Cornette's is like fucking 90 degrees the opposite direction of anything they said. Um, but then other I, times he's dead on, man. Like, when it comes to Cornette, you got to remind yourself that he has – there's two things that he interjects into every interaction he has with anybody else, especially when it comes to talking wrestling, which is really the only reason anyone's talking to him. Uh, and that's that a, he is a shameless self promoter. He sure. is still very much in the carny business where he is putting himself over more than anything in the world. Like he is out there to sell his own product. Hey, he's and a high he, level. He's a high level tier heel, man. He's a high level he tier heel. He is. He also is still, whether or not he actually believes it or not, he acts like he believes his own kayfabe and is always in character. So you have to take anything he says with a grain of salt, whether or not it's any sort of valid, and then process it through the fact that even if it isn't in kayfabe and it is his real opinion, then half the time he's full of shit. And not in a kayfabe sense, but in a terrible human being sense. I think 2020's kind of proven that a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, I wanted to touch on something real quick that you mentioned at the beginning sure. of the show uh, about you know the slow weeks, fast weeks, the gas pedal, and the like. Um, and it's something I've been dealing with. You mentioned you haven't watched a lot of wrestling lately, and truth be told, when I actually sent you a message on Friday, I willingly, intentionally stayed home and skipped watching SmackDown. Like had. Just decided I had better things to do. Like go to the on toilet. Friday for the first time in a while. I, I believe I watched Lord of the Rings, which I've you know, I have pretty well memorized at this point. So like, no, I decided that watching the I decided that watching Fellowship of the Ring was more important to me than watching SmackDown. Do, like, and, did you have to watch the extended cut, like the four hour cut, or did you just watch the short? Oh boy. I I'm wounded that you think I even own the short boy. <laughs> Well, I don't know, man. Some people, you no, know. I, uh, no, I, I have all three. I have all six extended editions on Blu-ray. Dude, that edition, the black box set with the, it came with the ring, the one not ring. The, not the new one. No, oh. not the brand new one. I bought this last year. Oh, no. But this I is, have all the extended on Blu-ray. My collection of the Lord of the Rings was from the literal first time they released the extended editions on Blu-ray. And it came with the one ring and all this shit. It was yeah. a little bit overboard at the time, but listen, Blu-rays were hot, man. Everybody had to have the coolest, latest Blu-ray. Uh, just to give you a, a brief... We're going to talk Lord of the Rings just briefly here. One, I have a story from Lord of the Rings that you will not be able to match. I guarantee you that. Sure. Guarantee you. Because uh, I'll get to it in just a second, but um, I owned all of the Short Boys originally when they had released the Long Boys. I bought them on DVD. And then bought the Blu-rays because my DVDs had been watched so many times they got burned out. Point of fact, 
the uh, second disc of the extended version of Return of the King. So the last disc of the six was burned down on mine. <laughs> so you could watch all you could watch extended Fellowship, extended Two Towers, the first half of extended. And Return then of the you King, can't and finish the last, trilogy. Oh no! Yeah, we're gonna we're we're putting the second disc in. We're gonna get the 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 full battle of Pelennor Fields, and now now it doesn't work. And that caused me to literally drive out in the middle of a snowstorm on a day that we had work canceled because there was too much snow on the ground to drive my ass over to Best Buy and buy the Blu-ray edition. Hell yeah. You were uh, like, no, I have to have it. Yep. And I have done the, I have done the watch all six. That's including the Hobbit movies. Watch all six extended editions in one weekend. I did that uh, last year at some point last year. Just see if I could. How was it? Uh, not bad. Uh, the Hobbit movies are not as good, but they're still not bad by any chance. Um, so the the story that you won't be able to top, and this is nothing to do whatsoever with wrestling. But Welcome to Journey story. into Wrestling. We don't give but a fun shit. Story, yeah. So you're about the same age frame as me, so you saw them in theaters, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. So this is now uh, Fellowship came out. I don't remember what years these were, uh, but 2001 came out. Two Towers came out about six months after I've got my driver's license. Mm-hmm. And uh, I lived in Indy at the time. And uh, the movie theater that I went to, uh, that I'd gone to for years, uh, is over on the west side off 465. Not too far from the Melody Inn, point of fact, uh, off 38th and 465. And the I don't think the theater still in existence anymore. But the big parking lot that it sits in, only has one entrance, one entrance, one exit. So big parking lot, not really ideal laid out. It's kind of in this industrial park, and there happens to be a physical therapy clinic down the street from it, in the same industrial park. Okay. So the, not the night, not the midnight release, but the Friday that Two Towers released. So came out Thursday at midnight. Friday is the first full day it's open. I'm a sophomore in high school. I am pumped. My buddy and I got you know tickets ahead of time. We pile in, the two of us pile into my shitty little uh, 93 Pontiac Sunbird that I was driving at the time. Nice. Yeah. And we drive back to this movie, opening night, theater's packed, parking lot's packed, and uh, get through the whole movie. It's like 9 o'clock at night. We're getting ready to drive home, get out of the parking lot. I'm one of the first people out of the parking lot. And come up to the stop sign. I've got people right in behind me. I see an ambulance coming down uh, down the way heading towards the physical therapy clinic. And I said, this is a two ways. This is a four way stop. This, I've got the right of way here. Again, I'm 16. I've been driving for less than six months. This is a four way stop, right? Obviously he's not coming at any high rate of speed. Didn't have his lights on, didn't have his flashes on, nothing. So all I did is let my foot off the brake. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a four way stop. It's a two way stop. Meaning that ambulance never slowed down. Meaning, I let off the brake and just completely clipped the back of the ambulance as it comes by. You hit a fucking ambulance. <laughs> I hit a fucking ambulance. Two towers. Yep. Uh, the night I, leaving the theater from seeing two towers, I hit an ambulance, and you know ambulances—they're built like tanks. They're built like Brock Lesnar. Nothing after happened. Fucking meal. No, it didn't even scratch the paint on the on the ambulance. Tore the whole front bumper off of mine. Wrecked like, your car totally. Yeah. So. 
again, there's only one way and one way out. I feel terrible because there's a line of people by me that now can't get out of the line. <laughs> again, I'm one of the first people out. So I pull off to the side, you know, 20 feet out of the way, get out of the car. I'm going to go talk to the ambulance. My friend's now picking up pieces of my bumper, just sitting them in a pile. And I look over and there's this, this little Asian guy that in this big ass Astro van, giant van, little tiny guy. And he starts screaming at my friend about hit and run, hit and run. I'm like, dude, I'm right here. I'm talking to the ambulance. What hit and run? <laughs> I, I, yo. So yeah, that's that's the that's the story that won't be topped is that no one else who's seen Lord of the Rings hit an ambulance on the way out of the theater. <laughs> but, but I will say this: if I turn this into a wrestling storyline, <clears throat> you hit the ambulance right, and you're like, "Oh man, shit, this is bad." You probably felt bad. Your '93 Pontiac probably didn't survive much longer after that. You probably had to total it or something, or maybe. Honestly, honestly it lasted another three years. Hey, look at it being strong. Yeah. So. So then, you know, you, you hit the ring, you're all ecstatic, you're ready for your big match, your big moment, lights go out, and all of a sudden you hear, wee, 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 wee. <laughs> it's an ambulance it's the, match. Somehow, somehow, somehow the little dude had commandeered the ambulance, left the, left the hospital and come back. He's been chasing you for like the past 12 years, just trying to get to you and been following you around strategically until this moment where you debuted in wrestling. Here's the kicker. There was somebody in the back of the ambulance, too. You, oh no! <laughs> you hit an ambulance with an occupant Again, in the back. It was just, it was another, it was a tech that was in the back. It wasn't a, uh, it wasn't anybody was stretching or anything. Again, it's going to a physical therapy place. You totally swerved me. Dude, I swerve everybody just by telling, hey, I hit an ambulance once. That, enough, that alone was enough to easily get a good reaction. Big so, fan, yeah, that, little that's, man. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Opening night. Always have that memory. But anyway, getting back to the original point, I skipped watching SmackDown, willingly skipped watching SmackDown uh, to watch that. And part of the reasoning behind that is sheer burnout. Like, I usually watch a shitload of wrestling, and this is a week where, right, we kind of had a little bit of a slowdown, but it, it really kind of coalesced into two things for me. One, that uh, a, I was just not interested in watching SmackDown. Um, we've gone over multiple times on the show how WWE has become a chore to watch at this point. I have a question. Do you have WWE fatigue? Say that one more time. Do I, it, WWE it, fatigue? Yeah, but I made it like F, like WWF fatigue. Yeah, because, you know. I have, I have just suffered through about as much WWE bullshit as I think I could stand for the time being. I'm still going to soldier on. I still watch Raw this week. But, hey, we'll talk about it. We'll definitely talk about Raw. Because yeah. and, and, I, I definitely want to kind of catch up on the landscape, but continue. Please continue on your unwillingness just, to watch SmackDown. Yeah. It was just, the re- I, I kind of had that come to Jesus moment where like, well, I got to watch SmackDown tonight. Like, why? Homie, that was like more kid. like your run from Jesus moment. Like, you were like, fuck like, this dude, like, I'm out. Like, like why, why, why am I going to force myself to watch this tonight? Why, why should I care about SmackDown right now? You know, I mean, and what sucks is that SmackDown's better than Raw for the most part right now anyway. But, like, I felt like I could miss the show, not miss anything, read about it, and really not miss out. Like, 
I didn't care. Like it, I didn't, it didn't present me with a big reason to watch it. Uh, I guess I missed a decent show, which luckily, but there was that moment where I like, I've seen so much of this samey bullshit without being given a reason to care about it that I don't, I flat out don't care anymore. I really think, I genuinely mean this, I think the Thunderdome, while it was a clever concept, is working against them. Because look at AEW, even a limited capacity crowd having any amount, I don't care if it's your wrestlers, no, you got a point. having you got any a amount of fucking crowd participation changes the in, the energy of a room. And Dude, having these, like, point. me sitting there, okay, look, right now, people at home are watching our podcast. It's not like I they're mean, in the room with us chatting. It's not the same. I mean, it's fun and all. But if we were sitting there having the conversation, I, you know, it'd be different. I definitely vibe what you're saying, but at least in just from my own personal taste on it, it's not. Like, I, I've gotten so used to watching Thunderdome at this point that I don't register. Like, it just, it looks close enough to what I would see in a regular stadium to me. I just, whatever. It's been a couple months now. I, I've normalized it. For me, it's the fact that it's the it's not the presentation; it's the content. There's well, everything is this this straightforward slog of bad storylines, bad payoff, terrible promos, and annoyances, dumb decision making. The fact that both Raw and SmackDown shows. I guess SmackDown they had issues last week with the show being written twenty minutes before they went to air. There was some like kind of a controversial segment last week too. Something happened. I I saw the headlines. I just cannot for the life of me remember what happened on SmackDown. It was something because I remember Vince was yelling at somebody and they talked about it in the article and I can't. I, to my knowledge, I don't remember. I know the only thing that I uh, the only thing that really stands out to me from SmackDown was that Kevin Owens is getting a spot against Reigns, which I'm all for because the that'll be a decent feud. I'm all for anything that Kevin Owens does. But there's just no coherence to the, outside of a couple storylines. There's nothing just there's no coherence to it. There's no stakes for anything. Like So let me ask you this. worse than SmackDown at this point, but it's hard to it's hard to find a reason to want to watch the show. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And, like, and that is the chore in and of itself is putting the time in to sit down, mm-hmm. get through each segment, figure out if you enjoy it or not. And I and I guess this kind of leads me. Do we need to have a new segment moving into the new year, where Buckles takes the WWE roster and rebooks his own story, and we just fantasy book throughout? Hey, I don't even know it's an issue with the booking itself. So what like, what what is stale like, with the product? It, then we got we have to figure it out, it's, man. It's, As fans, we got to be able to pinpoint. That's what I'm trying it. to get the bottom of. It. I can't quite put my finger on it, like. Part of it, yes, it is the booking, but I don't know that what I would do differently because the stories that they want to present are not bad. Like the whole Roman Reigns thing, again, it's not a bad story. That's actually uh, one of the um, most captivating things happening in wrestling yeah. right now, realistically. But Orton and the Fiend, Orton and the Fiend's not a bad story. Sure, the thing yeah. with with uh, and and I think we're going to go back to it again. I think the staleness for WWE might be a combination of a few things. When you give somebody the thing they want after they've given up wanting it, it becomes very difficult for it to be enjoyable. And you have an audience who, two years ago, turn Reigns fucking heel, let's go, baby. It will be the greatest decision you guys ever made. They wouldn't do it. He's a baby face through and through, you know, Make-A-Wish Foundation. And then he tanked. And everybody booed him. And he had the John Cena thing all over him. And so much so 
that they didn't even shy away from it. They're like, no, nah, let's just have Cena and him fucking feud, and then Cena can crush him and make him look even worse, which right. I, I don't know what the purpose of that whole feud was, but I digress because we're not there now. Where we are now is at a point where we're in a global pandemic. No one can go see these performers do what they do best in person. The people that are seeing it in person are production crew, people on the cameras and stuff, and that's not the same energy because they are already visualistically to the wrestlers, not even there. So it's a different vibe, and I and I think that, that that giving everybody stuff too late, the idea of here he is heel now when you want it, but you're not gonna ever like right now. We can't go get the high of going to an event and seeing heel reigns and experiencing what that's like. We just have to watch it play out on television, and it's be it's becoming tired. I hate to say it. I feel like part of the the big issue with me is that none of it. Almost everything, cat. Almost everything on, especially Raw is worse, but it feels manufactured. Is that the episode title? Raw is worse instead of Raw's War. <laughs> Could be. Um, it, everything on WWE programming, with the exception of maybe NXT, and NXT's skirting with it, feels manufactured. Um, and when I say that. I say that because, like, nothing develops organically or feels like it develops organically. It feels like it's just thrown together at the last minute. We're thrown together uh, based on a meeting. We're thrown together based on, well, we haven't put these two in a feud, what? In a feud yet. Like, a good example, um, we have uh, Orton's got, or Orton loses the title to McIntyre. McIntyre has his feud with Reigns and loses they don't mention the fact that he lost there's no continuity there whatsoever they don't acknowledge the fact that he lost but they did this weird uh tournament or mini tournament for the number one contendership starting last week into this week for uh to see who was going to face drew at uh tlc coming up yeah and on the one hand stakes are great stakes are wonderful it gives us a little bit of continuity going forward but they ended up with Keith Lee, Riddle, and AJ Styles. Hype, right? Should be a hype match. The match itself was great. Why don't I care? Like, and it's not—it's not the presentation of it. The presentation was fine. The who, who, fine. Went, who went over? AJ. And here's part of the issue: is it's predictable. Get out of here! No, AJ's I'm the over only it. Heel. AJ's the only heel of the group for one. Okay. Now, granted. AJ versus McIntyre should be a great match. Oh, yeah. And they haven't feuded yet. It's it's fresh, right? So why don't you care? Because it doesn't feel like there's any... It feels mechanic. It feels mechanic because it's the heel versus face trope. Here's He's what I would have done. The match, so. Yeah. Instead of He's having the match, the match to number one contend to determine who's going to be the man. What they should have done was have Drew like, I'm going to make a major announcement tonight, right? That's what they always do. Mm-hmm. Your champion's going to make this big announcement, blockbuster announcement. And then they just find him in the back bludgeoned and no idea and the belt is gone. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a great mystery of like what happened exactly. Nobody saw the footage. There's limited capacity of people in the building, limited amount of people who it could be. So then building into the feud, it's almost – and I don't want it to play the exact same way because I don't want it to feel like that same beat. It's obviously going to be different. But it's like kind of Rikishi Triple H type thing where I'm pretty sure didn't 
Rikishi blew, like ran him over, and and that was why he got taken oh, off. Oh yeah, air. yeah, I did it for Duroc. Oh, I know. Uh huh. I know. WWE knows how to do the whodunit angles fairly well. I mean, NXT's parking lot's the most dangerous place in the world. Word. But part of the issue to me is that, like, okay, those three names I mentioned, Keith Lee, Riddle, AJ Styles. On paper, great match. Character-wise, Keith Lee has no personality. So they've They've killed him. him. I'm not even going to say that. They just never gave him a personality to begin with. He's never had a character. He's only been the one guy that does shit that, you, that physically is wild. He's unbelievable. You love him for it. You really do. But he doesn't have a character that you can really latch on to. He's not really... He's a catchphrase and cool matches. That's pretty much it. Then you have Riddle, who I'm going to come right out. I hate him. I fucking hate him now. They've killed him for me. They've completely ruined Rat Riddle. If you're not a fan of him as a oh. performer, or you hate what they've done to him? I don't want to see him on TV anymore. Damn, that's that's intense. And it sucks because he's a great wrestler. Matt Riddle, as a wrestler, is a fantastic wrestler. And I'm, I'm even taking the Me Too shit out of it. Taking the speaking out shit out of it. I hate doing that. I'm not doing it because of that. But now he's just Riddle. He's no longer Matt Riddle. He's just Riddle. And he is the most stereotypical stoner dude bro ever. That has already been done, man, and RVD mastered it. Yeah. It can't be RVD, dude. He's annoying as shit. He's the stoner penguin from the fucking Shia LaBeouf Surf's Up movie. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What's up with WWE just like, like, I feel like, I don't know what kind of drugs are being used in the board meetings, but I feel like there's some heavy drug use going on and... Vince or whoever comes up, there's a little powder on his nose. You know, it's just a snorch creatine, I'm pretty sure. And he just looks and goes, you know what, that guy. Just pick any wrestler. Keith Lee. His name is no longer Keith Lee. What? They're like, what? Get rid of the first name. That's a great idea. Because he does that. Mustafa Ali, get rid of Mustafa. Uh, Biggie Langston, was... get rid of the Langston. You know, like he chops names up and tries I to like. I can't remember who it was. Who it was. They made some comment. They they. They dropped his first name because you wouldn't believe that X name was a heel. It wasn't a heel name. It's the guy's first name. I I don't remember who it was. That's ridiculous. I, I, for the life of me, can't remember who it was. But um, I don't know if they're intentionally. I don't know if this is just my take because I can't stand that type of character that Riddle is playing. But like every time he opens his mouth. I want who was ever in the room with him to punch him. Wow, that's bad. He and was very babyface. Listen, he Matt yeah. Riddle was amazing in NXT. He was really, really, really charismatic and talented. And I enjoyed his he's, work. He's very charismatic. He is very talented. Hmm. Like they had him in a in a promo thing with uh, Hurt Business last night, where. He's pitching ideas for different corp to uh, uh, MVP. So sure. he's pitching like, dude, what if we just, you know, like, like he, I can't remember what some of the, some of the shit he was doing, like pitching like product ideas that were just dumb names, like uh, the stupid nickname thing he was doing with the Survivor Series team, that kind of thing. And MVP goes, you know what? I'm done with this. You're ridiculous. I think you're an idiot. 
and I don't want to talk to you anymore. And Damn. he smack, like punches him in the face. I'm thinking, that's how I would have reacted. That's exactly what I would have done. And he's the heel. You're like, wait a minute, WWE. Like, now you're I exhausting like exhausting to talk to. And like, I know that that and this is kind of me going off on a diatribe about Riddle. Riddle is not the reason that I can't stand WWE, but it, it alarmed me that I realized last night as I'm watching the show, I hate him. I want nothing to do with this character whatsoever anymore. I just got the episode but, title buckles. What? He hate Riddle instead of he hate me. Sure. Sure. <laughs> That's an XFL um, cross WWE riddle, riddle reference, motherfuckers. Riddle me not. Oh, I like riddle me not. Oh, <laughs> It's just like, but again, it, it the the promos, the character makes sense for Riddle to an extent. I mean, the guy is obviously a stoner. It makes sense. But it feels so fucking forced. Just like how every character is a catchphrase and a move. That's it. Yeah. No one, no one feels ordained. The promos are all terrible. Short of the people that get to script their own, which is an uh, exclusive class. And it just feels so bland. So completely paint by numbers, so bland, so planned out. And it's funny to say it's planned out when they're not planned out more than 20 minutes before the show starts. The retribution angle is a mess, has been a mess since day one, and they're finding new and creative ways to fuck it up every time they come on screen. You know, they've ruined let's... Ricochet. Time out. You can't move that fast because I, I do believe you need to, to just for the sake of the podcast listeners and everybody at home watching this episode, please tell them what you sent me. Tell me what happened to that retribution I, member. I'm not going to look up the exact quote here that I sent you, because I don't, but it was, hey, Reckoning's first singles match, Mia Yim's first singles match. And her mask fell off within 10 to 15 seconds of the match starting. They made no no mention of the fact, wow, it's Mia Yim. Hey, wow, Reckoning is Mia Yim. Oh, my God. They, they just were calling her Reckoning and hard selling it? Oh, yeah. Oh, they kept referring to her as Reckoning the entire time. And completely ignored the fact that the mask had come off. And then... She loses clean to Dana Brooke. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then she gets dressed down by Ali after the fact. Ali gets in the ring and yells at her after the fact for being an embarrassment because, get this, I want you to sit up and listen to this one. Because, and I quote, retribution does not lose. All they do is lose, dog. <laughs> they literally have won two matches, and one was last night. Ali beat Ricochet and uh, Slapjack beat Ricochet last night. So they just really hate Ricochet, and that's why they yeah. keep putting Retribution yeah. over Ricochet. Yeah. Re- Retribution can't win a damn thing unless it's against Ricochet, who is somehow even less. And this is after Ricochet cut a really, really good promo on his phone, on his own you know, recognizance, and they actually played it, thank God. Damn. That feud's been on main event. That feud's been on main event of all fucking places. Great way to establish people, because no one outside of people who own WWE Network knows that main event exists for one i didn't even WWE realize network, it still existed i thought yeah, it was gone a long people, time ago the people who have wwe network don't watch it uh it's 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 here 
the best way to say it, and this is to tie it back to something the WWE has got a history of, years and years ago, the start of the uh, Attitude Era, the very genesis of the Attitude Era was Vincent Mann coming on to, I think it was Monday Night Raw, before the show started and saying, we are no longer going to insult your intelligence. They recognized the fact that they had been, the new era that they'd been, the new blood or new era, I think it was called, uh, when Bret Hart was kind of making his genesis, the Psycho Sid era, they called that the new era. They had been insulting your intelligence and they were finally coming to the grips of the fact they were aware of it. They were not going to do that anymore and it led to the biggest boom period in wrestling. Right now, everything that WWE does is insulting to our intelligence. That reckoning's mask coming off, well, reckoning having a mask, putting uh, putting Donovan Dijak or Dijakovic or whatever you want to hell, whatever the hell you want to call him, Mia Yim, uh, Shane Thorne, and Diomad in masks, when we know who they are, and They're, trying to repackage them, when we know who they are, when you are promoting them as someone else, what did they call the? Times. What did they call the formerly known as Viking Raiders? Because they were War Machine before they it came. Was a, there was War Machine. There were War Machine on the Indies and yep. of Honor when they came in. They became uh, the War uh, War Raiders. They became the War Raiders. Yeah, yeah. They were War Raiders in NXT, and then got brought up as the Viking Experience. I remember that for like a week, and everyone was like, "That was stupid." Lasted maybe a week. I don't even remember if it lasted the whole fucking show. Uh, <laughs> then they became the Viking Raiders after that. And their move was called the Viking Experience, which, no, no. That sounds like a, a, a really dirty porn double team. About to get the Viking Experience. <laughs> it, it sounds like it sounds like something you pay an extra 20 bucks at a Renaissance Fair for. We roast you on a funeral pyre. <laughs> it sounds like, okay... You know, mom and dad taking their kids to a, a renaissance fair. and They want to get the full Viking experience. So they're paying an extra 20 bucks so they can have their kids picture taken with an extra leg lamb. Also, or, I don't, uh, real quick before we get or a really weird Jimi Hendrix album. That oh, could be too. Oh, the Viking <laughs> experience. Uh, I do want to mention really quickly to our, uh, our our audience that's watching the episode. We did have a little technical difficulty and lost our. Uh, cameras for about like a minute, I would say, or 40 seconds. Oh, no. the, the, I fixed it. I fixed it. They're back. Um, I had to figure out how to fix it on the fly. So that was an experience just like last week. I did not realize that if I don't move my mouse, that when my computer tries to go to sleep during us doing this, it green screens the thing. That's why you saw that green screen for a second. And also that's why I froze last week is because my computer shut down for a second, literally froze me. See. <clears throat> That's why you have me to rely on because I can just talk and bullshit for the, for five minutes while you figure that out. People will never know I'm gone. <laughs> also, I apologize I for like the eating and stuff on this episode. I had not had dinner yet. I had to smash swiftly. I was already running behind on buckles, so I just had to do it on the fly. I'm so sorry. This is just me being real with folks. Try my best. We are humans. We must eat. Human beings. <laughs> yeah, we're human beings. You know. I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't know if you should ever follow the phrase, we must eat with human beings. (laughs) (laughs) Not saying we need to eat human beings, but we are human beings. Yeah, it's, it's, I I skipped on watching SmackDown because I'm just burned out on watching WWE programming. Other than reporting for the show, I've, I have 
other outside of maybe a couple different wrestlers or supporting supporting some of the performers themselves, it is hard to find a reason to want to watch WWE. Sometimes sure. it's just wanting to watch it to see if they crash the car. I mean, hell, they debuted a new entrance for for Retribution last night, and it Kevin Dunn has done it again. Uh oh, a thousand cuts a second. No, no, they just put the camera on and just go side to side like a rocking freaking boat. Oh god, <laughs> like weird zooms. It looks like a rap video circa about nineteen ninety seven. Who told Kevin Dunn he can still do that fucking job? Because he has not been doing well for, like, at least five years. Um, there was actually an interview got posted to – there was an article got posted to Cage Side earlier today. I guess there's a former 30-year-long like, employee of WWE, like, producer, that is retiring, left the company, due most of the COVID, and uh, his kid convinced him to do an AMA. And a bunch of people asked him, you know, Vince this, Vince that, and somebody asked him, why does Kevin Dunn do the camera cuts? Why does he do that? Why, for the love of God, tell him to stop? And he said, Kevin Dunn's belief is that more is less. Not less is more. More is less. Kevin Dunn needs to stop doing all that cocaine with Vince McMahon and get his brain on straight because it's not working. If the thousand cuts when a second Ke is not working. I will say... When you said that the that you sometimes watch Raw to see the train wreck that it is, I thought we were going to segue into the into the uh, botcha mania that happened this week on Raw. But I, I like that we're talking about Kevin oh, Dunn's shitty camera Naya, cuts. I'm a, are you referring to Naya? No, I'm Diving not referring. No, I'm not referring. Come on, dude. Oh, okay. You know the one I'm talking about. I've seen too many. You're going to have to give me a little. Uh... Other than the, the mask is the first thing I'd think of. No, the fir it's the first thing you asked me this week when we got together on this call. If oh, I had seen. oh, no, that would, I don't even know if I'd call that a botch. I'm not even sure that I'd call that a botch. Um, I mean, it kind of was, though. I mean, he did ever. We'll talk about it, but quickly to talk on Kevin Dunn and okay. hate on Kevin Dunn again. Let's finish well, that up. All I was going to say is it's it's normal for a you know director of photography or for a producer to want to emulate a hero or to emulate a style of some sort, you know. You might have somebody that wants to be fucking Steven Spielberg. You may have somebody that wants to, you know, emulate what uh, James Cameron does. Kevin Dunn wants to be Michael Bay, and no one should ever want to be Michael Bay. <laughs> These aren't Transformers. They're wrestlers. He badly does Michael Bay. And Michael Bay does um, Michael Bay badly, so that's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, no, the moment we're referring to... Uh, the opening match for Raw last night was a Symphony of Destruction match. In Love words, the name. A, shout out to Megadeth. Oh, yeah. It's like the second or third Symphony of Destruction match we've had. I think Elias has been in, somehow involved in all three. I'm not sure on that. I think last one involved Shinsuke Nakamura taking a full-on back bump on top of the grand piano that looked nasty. But this is uh, supposed to be the end of the feud between Jeff Hardy and Elias, which you would think would have ended with the guitar pole match previously. But sure. No. And we had a bunch of, you know, music instrument related spots like Elias playing a miniature drum solo before hitting Jeff with sticks and throwing a knee into a gong. And uh, then he tried to impale Jeff with a guitar neck and stabbed it into a amplifier that was for reasons known, but to God actually plugged in. So he did this really fake-looking electrocution spot. 
there's no reason for the amp to be plugged in. Nothing is plugged into the amp. It's an amplifier standing next to the barrier that, hey, we plugged it in. For one thing, where's it plugged in to? Because your barriers don't have outlets. Word. <laughs> for one. And two, there's nothing plugged into it. It shouldn't be on. And the only way to get electrocuted from an amplifier like that, other than to actually like touch the circuit board while it's on, would be to have water involved. And and false I'm, statement, false statement, and I've witnessed it. What I've witnessed a, I witnessed a roommate get thrown across the room working on an amplifier. Yes, it was plugged in. There was a short in the amp. He was trying to fix it and forgot it was plugged in, and it blew him across the room. He I touched watched the board. It. Yep, he touched that board. <laughs> Almost uh, blew the whole fuse of the house. It was it was fun. Um, college is a hell of a thing. Anyway, um, the end of the match wasn't the electrocution spot. The end of the match was Jeff clearing off this table that was, and you'll have to follow me visually on this. If you know how Raw is set up, how you know how, well, all of WWE programming short of NXT is set up. You have the ring, you have the stairs on the corners of the ring, the barrier that goes around it. Maybe about, looks like about four to five feet of space in between. It's narrower where the stairs are because that's how distance and space works. Correct. It's probably about Uh, two and a half feet from the bottom of the stairs to the barrier. So there's a table there that has a bunch of shit on it, and Jeff piles Elias onto the table and covers him with what I believe, I think it was a violin and a couple of ukuleles, because reasons. Um, And then Jeff proceeds to climb up onto the turnbuckle and swanton off onto the stairs. He also went turnbuckle. He went turnbuckle onto the actual ring post because they have those really hefty ring posts now. Yeah, he's standing on the on the giant LED ring post, and Swanton's onto Elias. Spot looked cool. Yeah, on the one hand, it's the spot that we've seen him do a billion times. Jeff climbs up onto something, Swanton through a table. We know he's done it. However, there's no space. There's there's as we said, less space on that side of the ring because of the stairs. So what happens? He hits back first onto Elias, and then the back of his dome and the back of his neck goes straight onto the edge of the steel stairs with a pretty decent amount of force. Oh, yeah. He it hit hard. Boom, boom. Looked horrible. looked horrible. Now, for all we know, he got up, walked away just fine, he cut a promo afterwards, doing all right. He Did he cut the promo on air? Uh, it was it was uh, off air. Like okay, so that's the one that you I, saw that I saw too. I yeah, didn't know if there was yeah. also him talking on air, so no, I just didn't he, know. There if was there nothing was... that was done live. Sure, there was nothing that was done in the ring live afterwards. No, I know that they they off. said he kept checking his head, like he kept right. feeling back there, which of course you would want you, to. You would, yeah, you would want to make sure that you don't have a big fucking hole where some brain matter is leaking out at that point. But I watched that, and it actually made me really angry. Like, really angry. And not for, for a couple of reasons. One, somebody had to okay that spot. You and I have talked about it on the show before that wrestlers have to be protected from themselves at some point. And unfortunately, the Hardy brothers are the two poster childs for it this year. Obviously, we've talked about Terrible. And both to the back of the fucking head, by the way, yeah. weirdly enough. Yeah. Matt obviously had his issue at uh, was all out. And that was scary enough. 
rightfully so. And and also but, a mistake, a, a total de- terrible decision mistake. on AEW's part. On AEW's part, absolutely. <clears throat> but Jeff has a history of doing shit like this. I remember him taking a spot where he swantoned off of, I think, a cage at Impact and went back first onto the steps, like flat backed onto the steps because he, he's an idiot. Jeff, uh, Matt Hardy's accident, it was a fuck up on AEW's part, but Jeff wasn't attempting to take an undue risk. It just went badly. It, it, Matt, it, doesn't, Matt doesn't go out of his way to take to do dumb shit just for the sake of doing dumb shit. Jeff has the Darby Allen syndrome where he just thinks doesn't give a survive. fuck. Yep, doesn't matter. Yeah, does not care what happens to him. He just wants the big pop. And that big spot, that swanton off of whatever through the table, it's got a little bit of diminishing returns at this point because we've seen it a million and one times. And the last few times that Jeff has done it, it's all looked bad, whether it's through a ladder, through a table, through whatever. It's all looked bad because Jeff is getting sloppy as shit with it. And it's 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 less reward for more risk at this point. Jeff needs somebody needs to sit down with Jeff before before the match starts, before doing any of these spots to say, you know, maybe not do that this time. Do you think that alone? And then go ahead. Don't okay the spot where it's at. Yeah, you should have looked at the science and said, no, do that on this side. Don't move the stairs. Yeah, get rid of the stairs first. Use them in the spot. Take them away from the equation. Throw the stairs out of the way. Give yourself more room. No one, anyone who is associated with that match should be severely lectured, if not let go, for letting someone, for letting that happen. There's no way that that Jeff should have done that spot. And what if he would have fucking died, man? I mean, like, legitimately could have happened had he hit the wrong way. What if he would have corner? Boom. You know, look at uh, Million Dollar Baby. First thing that came to my mind. Right there. Absolutely. Could have happened. USA would have loved that. I guarantee you that. So whoever booked that match, whoever produced that match, put it together, whoever the agent was, sit them down and have a talking to because, A, no, that there's no way that spot should ever have happened. B, set Jeff down and say, calm the fuck down because you are a danger to yourself and whoever else. I think that Jeff has, um, as the year has gone on since Matt left, Jeff has started to take different risks that maybe he shouldn't. And I am and I don't know if it's... He's, uh, the thing is, he's always been that way. I'm trying he's to skirt around saying it like this, but I, I worry... Because Jeff has a history, and let's be honest, he even mm-hmm. had a history as early as late as this year. Um, and whether that they played that in the storyline or not doesn't matter. Uh, he has an abuse issue, and I'm afraid that with Matt not there to hold him accountable, he could just be taking more risks and maybe making more terrible decisions that no, we aren't aware of. And listen, we've only got probably what I would say three to five months left of Jeff working for WWE, as far as I can tell. So I don't know. I have no idea what his contract status. Well, is. he had. They had said that when Matt left, he had one year that had been tacked on from the right. time he missed because of injury. That they were back, uh, adding on to his time. So it's been almost a year now since Matt has. I mean, you got to think Matt debuted in AEW less than in less than three it was, months. It was early on in the pandemic. It was literally March. Because yeah. they were lining up the march for yeah. blood and guts in the end of the month, and at the start of the month, I think it was right. like the March tenth or fifteenth right. issue, right. 
he debuted. So Jeff could be coming soon, and I hope that that allows him to have some accountability and they can find a way. I feel AEW is going to be a home where he can find a way to protect himself, whether it's through cinematic matches, whether it's through working different kinds of programs with people. My only fear is... If Jeff Hardy goes to AEW, it is a lock. We will get a Jeff Hardy Darby feud, and that could end genuinely terribly. Yeah, I, I agree there. Um, I'm a little leery of Jeff going to to AEW for a couple of reasons. One, the exact opposite of what you're saying of him of it being a safer home for him. I'm worried that the whole creative freedom and the looser feel that AEW has an extent the lack of I'm worried that the fact that no way stopped the the lack of accountability with the mat match is going to seep into what no way is going to step up to Jeff so Jeff will have free reign to do whatever he wants and that's dangerous True. because and I, then I worry about okay now what's the effect he's going to have on somebody like Darby who's going to see that oh let's that's, turn I mean, it up well, to Darby's 11 he can do it now, Darby's a grown-ass man. He can make his own decisions, clearly. But I can see Darby trying to one-up him. Oh, absolutely. I think and, look at Sammy and fucking yeah. Matt, dude. Yeah. Sammy's and the you're young you're absolutely blood. right about it. We would, get, we would get a Jeff Darby match, I guarantee you. And that has the potential to go off the rails in a very bad way. And, and it's not – it sucks to say that because you don't – ever want to say that about anybody like you you should be excited for any match any matchup coming up but when you can't when you feel like you can't trust the two people wrestling to either a take care of themselves or b take care of the people with them that's frightening and i'm a i honestly i've gotten to the point where i don't want to see jeff anymore and i hate saying that because Jeff's one of the most he's a legend he's an absolute legend he's a hall of famer first ballot whatever Hall of Fame you want to put him in. He's the reason that a lot of wrestlers are wrestlers today. But I feel like watching – what's a good analogy? I feel like watching Jeff now is like watching a mix of Brett Favre circa the Jets and Tom Green, the comedian. Whereas he's probably a little more out to pasture than he realizes – He's not going to give it up. He still thinks he can, he's going to continue going no matter what his body tells him. And he's got that Tom Green factor of, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make people like me. I don't care what happens to me as long as I get the fan reaction. Mm. And, and right now, what is the fan reaction when there are no fans? God damn it. I got to keep saying it. I know. I get it. I understand. But just like, like and, 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 yeah. and and let's just, as we're, we're, we're kind of skirting around it, did you hear the AEW thing that was said this week from Tony Khan himself? That actually has me quite excited. I, I, this is something that it, – it, it's one of the things that I think maybe early last year recovered was like something they had loosely talked about. But this is something he said, and I quote, Sometime in 2021 we will have a six-man or a trio's tag titles. Because he said that they are they have a ton of really great trios in AEW. I mean, look at I mean SCU and Jurassic Express, and I mean you could do any three members of the Dark Order. Fucking put Uno with with it's Alex true. and and, and John Silver. You know, the only thing that concerns me a little bit about it is that there's a couple different companies that have 
tag and trios titles both mm-hmm. and none of them like new japan ring of honor all have trios titles and they don't really ever do anything with them usually when they have trios and tag titles they favor one over the other well because it's easy tag. it's easy to yeah because there yeah. are more tag teams i, by I would be i mean I'll, i'm all for it if they want to if they want to run with it sure I just, the track record's not quite as good. You know what I would do? I would do something kind of totally different with it. Hold a tournament, your six-man tournament, the winners become champions, you know? You mm-hmm. you win the title, and then almost how they did the Dynamite Diamond Ring, where they haven't utilized it or made it, like, a really big deal, have these dudes walk around for, like, six months holding these titles like they're hot shit and nobody can touch them. We won the tournament. We beat all the teams that matter. What do you got for us? And then you can maybe start slowly introducing feuds, once in a while, you challenge for those titles. So then when they do go off of whoever your champion is, it is a big deal because they've held them for a time, even if they haven't been, you know, defending them for a time. It's that whole clout thing. You know, it's the FTW title or, or the Dynamite Diamond Ring, as if as it were. I've got a better idea. Well, I shouldn't say better idea, but I've got a different idea. It just occurred to me. His idea is more um, gooder. It's it's more better. Yeah, more better. Oh. A little bit more better. Uh, now, um, you and I have talked about before that AEW is kind of trending a, wall, a little more towards what New Japan does, where they have more heavy faction-based, where you have bigger factions that are a little more nebulous. They're not as, as uh, tight as, say, a Retribution. They're not as tight as maybe a Hurt Business, but they're a little more a little more open. In in New Japan, you have Los Angeles, you have chaos you have bullet, bullet club. club i mean the, um, the list whatever, goes on uh whatever will osprey's new factions called i don't remember but they're a little more there are more people to them and they're a little bit more loose in a way so how about instead of specific trios and no, don't even use a belt just have a title just have a trophy or something use the ring use the dynamite ring do a faction award Ooh, that's different. So let's say Dark Order, Team Taz, Nightmare Family, um, the Elite, all factions, all at least you have to have at least four people in a faction to be considered one. Um, and then have them whoever wants to be in the match. You can do it tag matches, you can trios matches, whatever, but a representative from those matches and whoever represents that match, that title's on the line. I love it. So you have faction supremacy between all the different factions they're building up. And you could have a Dark Order be, you know, the faction to beat. Maybe give them some sort of, uh, not just a, a, a trophy, but give them like, maybe this is your faction for this year gets preference on title matches or gets to be the, you get your, someone from your faction gets to be the, the Joker card, the next Battle Royal. Yeah, see, like give that. them some sort yeah. of prize yeah. that matters but beyond it, just... You can have that, that title just belong to the group and say, okay, maybe if it's Dark Order, using as an example, say uh, Brody gets to defend it in a match one night, or maybe Silver and Reynolds get defended in one night, um, or you have Anna Jay defended against, you know, uh, against Shikari Shida, something like that. Maybe Brody wins it off of Cody and then Sheeta beats it. Or uh, uh, maybe Brandy wins it over uh, Anna Jane and takes it to the Nightmare Family. So Ooh. just make it a little more freeform. 
So let's talk about, you said the name Brody Lee. Do you know what's going on with him? I honestly don't. I haven't heard head or tail from him. Well, I haven't heard any rumors. I have no idea. I saw something. I don't know if it was Alvarez or who said it, but uh, apparently they don't know because they can't get in contact with him. They're, they're not getting any responses on what's going on. And is it an injury? Possibly. He was injured last year, right? He had a shoulder injury, or maybe it was a knee or something that happened I think to he's him. Had, he's had knee injuries in the past, I do believe. So it's um, possible. I would think it was a major injury. We'd have heard about it by now. But I also think it was something serious. We would have heard about it by now as well. But why have the Dark Order running and operating and happening, and they've not even literally once mentioned the Exalted One in, like, Five weeks. I can't even tell you the last time I heard that phrase. The exalted what? Like, I, I, what? But here's the question, then. Is it, has it really been that missed? Has I think been, so. I loved missed? Mr. Brody's character, and I love the, um, the I mean, push and pull. I do, too. Especially if I you're going to get the but... payoff of John Silver at some point going baby, baby, baby face. Johnny Hungy. I think part of the idea is that they want to give – I think they're just giving him some time off. Because sure. I mean, he is also a little older, for one. Yeah. Um, and the last match he had was losing the belt to Cody. Sure. So maybe rather than him, you know, just immediately pivoting to a different feud and just not acknowledging the fact that he lost, maybe just take have him take some time off and come back fresh. I like that. And, and, and you know, so one maybe, thing that we talked about last year is how – a, and this is before the pandemic and everything, like AEW is afforded an opportunity based on the size of their roster to give people breaks. And they themselves have said, we don't want our wrestlers run to death like the WWE right. do their performers. Right. So maybe this That's is just the them. Have a touring schedule. Exactly. Maybe this is just them cleverly going, you know what? Fuck it. We'll just give him a couple months off. And then maybe you at know, the at the next Battle Royal or at Revolution, you know, or, you know, there's some big moment and Brody comes out or, you know, they, they could do any number of storylines. You know, you could easily have right now they're kind of teasing the Hangman Dark Order story a little bit. Maybe Hangman starts working his way through Dark Order goons left and right. Maybe he takes out Reynolds, takes out Silver. Five takes ten out. Hey, secret boss time. You know? Um, I'm also going to throw this out there as far as the reason we haven't heard anything about him. We haven't heard anything about Brody. It's still 2020. Yeah. So maybe there's just something that's being kept private. Maybe he's got a family member that's tested positive. Maybe he's got some family member he's taking care of. We don't know. Maybe like John Moxley, he's a daddy. Mm -hmm. I cool mean, was that by the way? Hey, How let cool me tell that? you the way what. They announced that was he, shit. Just slid that some bitch in, you know, like in that one was, of the most intense really cool. promos. Let me tell you. Yeah. I, I saw some people online talking about how the mocks, uh, the mocks. You just want to get into the the winners coming stuff right now. L yeah, let's just get into it. Uh, we, realistic, and, and, and real quickly before we actually talk, I just want to say one thing about the Brody thing. If you had Brody Hangman, here's how I do it. So Brody takes out everybody. He takes out Uno. He takes out Stu Grayson, like the whole nines. He's beat everybody. He maybe even gets an intergender match with Anna Jay, who I believe firmly could hang with Hangman, and it would be amazing to see. But check it out. Brody comes back and is like, you've beat everybody. You passed the test. But here's the deal. If you can't beat me, you have to join Dark Order. So not like... 
MJF wanting to join the inner circle, quite the yeah. opposite. It makes if Paige yeah. exa- and, and that creates some drama too. Like, well, what if he does lose? Does that yes. mean he then has to join with all these people that hate yeah. him because he beat their asses? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. if you if you win, we'll leave you alone. If you lose, you have to join. Yeah, I love I it because it's like why you don't need Dark Order if you beat Brody. You beat everybody. You destroyed the Dark Order. You're past them. Your life is better without them. But I'm I, listen. I'm just gonna come out and say it, man. I'm a big Dark Order fan. I'm becoming a mark for them hardcore, and I'm really a fan of Evil Uno. Nothing to do with wrestling. And I mean, he cuts great promos, and I love his voice. It's all because he plays Among Us, and I watch those dudes on AEW playing Among Us all the time, and it just—it's really funny. Like him and Excalibur I, are kind of like the worst shitheads of the group. I, I can't say much. I'm—I'm I'm an old man, and I've not played it before, so. I think you would love the game, honestly. It's like the weirdest, I, nerdiest I'm shit. Sure, I would. I—I just—I've not played it yet. Um, so we kind of danced around a little bit. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, winter is coming. Well, tonight for those listening and whenever oh, yeah, you're yeah, watching this, the, winter is I either coming or coming. In, I would have figured out the whole time thing, but now apparently not. I have the big dumb. It's weird. You you know what? If you don't actively have to do it every couple days like I have to because of the shows I'm on, like you don't train yourself to think that way at all. There, there's no reason your brain should think yeah. forward, backwards at the same time. Like you're just in the and moment. He, Go on. Let's talk Wednesday about winter. Second. Wednesday the 2nd, winter is coming. Really, I don't like the title. I don't like the title because I hate winter. <laughs> I don't want to think about winter coming. <laughs> I hate it because they ripped off the Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones like I, I, I get, I don't like that. I actually think uh, somebody. You know what? Somebody said it uh, best. And 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 correct me if I'm wrong. I, I love AEW. I've been a fan through and through. I've been to you and I. We talked last episode. Both got to experience it live before the pandemic and everything. And it was one. Um, like an experience I will never in my life forget. It was one of the best times of my life. But I really am struggling when AEW keeps taking from other things and filtering it in like it's their own shit. Like you're, you're, you're. I don't know if you saw it, but they they promoted an interview the Young Bucks did talking about their book and their FTR mm-hmm. thing and everything. And whoever the podcast or whatever it was, I get that that's their show. It's not AEW show. But they were making a play on the Saturday night main event. And that's how their logo looked. So you have AEW sharing a WWE looking thing. AEW taking a Game of Thrones thing. It's like, listen, for a company that's showing how different you are and doing all these great things, stop bringing shit that isn't different and cool into it. Like, I don't hate Game of Thrones, but I think that they could have come up with something better. There's a problem that for someone, for a group that, that, distances itself from wwe as much as humanly possible um latching on to a cultural trope a year and a half after the fact is a very wwe thing to do <laughs> i mean game of thrones ended what a year ago a little over yeah i do believe so yeah it, winter is coming it, it came a year ago we, we were we moved on <laughs> Winter is cuddling in bed right now. It already cometh. Yeah. Winter, winter's smoking a cigarette in the back. <laughs> um, Drinking a hot toddy in private. Winter, winter's raiding the fridge and making a sandwich right now. <laughs> I've had a mid, I've had a mid-sex sandwich. I'm about that. That's for real. Take a little a breather. Sign, that's a Seinfeld thing, if I'm not mistaken. Like keeping a sandwich in the nightstand is a Seinfeld thing. I'm gonna have to start doing that. That sounds great. <laughs> Just lock in and put a. Sandwich the in there. Salt significant other first. 
True. Yeah, she'd be like, "What is that nasty ass smell?" Not, it's like, not, it's my subway dis- from tu- it's my tuna from Subway. You put it in the drawer. About, it's like weeks I'm not old. about to. Uh, I'm not about to have any kind of a relationship advice segment on Journey into Wrestling here. I'm not about to do that. However, I will advise consult your significant other before sliding some Jimmy Johns in the nightstand. <laughs> sliding Jimmy Johns into the nightstand might become the episode yeah, title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so good. I'm going to text that to you right now so I don't forget like a dumbass. <laughs> sliding. Oh, God. Uh, but yeah, to, uh, Wednesday night uh, is Winter is Coming. And it's a, it looks like a pretty loaded card, actually. Um it is, they've hyped it up to be the biggest dynamite ever, and really it is. Sure. Um, so we held run down the card really quickly. Sure. That's what's been announced. We have uh, Jericho versus Kazarian. First time they've ever had a match ever, ever, and they are combined about 50-year vets. Right. That's so, I mean, crazy. Should be fun. Should be fun. Uh, not really a whole lot to get into it other than the, the – shared history i guess i think jericho is i I think let me i wanted to secretly say this and i'm it's interesting you brought the jericho match up first he did that 30th anniversary match with luther he's doing this match with kaz who or uh, daniels he he and daniels have never had a match fallen angel y2j i mean they both in their prime were champions for their farewell tour to an extent doesn't it i was just gonna say it's like subtly i feel like and and this is gonna man it's like it's all teed up here I, I think that MJF is going to become the leader of Inner Circle, and not by and not by forces or not by being forced into it. How totally different and unexpected would it be if Jericho handed the mantle to him? Like you've yeah, it. I was just that just occurred to me. Like it's kind of the passing of the torch where Jericho's like, I'm going to go right off into the sunset eventually, whenever that is, and maybe it's sooner than later. Uh, this does kind of feel like Jericho. Not quite, maybe a farewell tour is not quite the right way to put it, but checking things off of his bucket list. Well, I mean, and, and ever since, let, let's just be even all in is the start of, well, or not all in, it was what all out was the first time they had the title up for grabs leading into the first dynamite. And he won the title. He had his final major push in this company that he's trying to bolster and push. He hands the title on to Moxley. Moxley is someone who is the top of their right. game right now jericho gets right. to say i handed the belt to the guy the guy and then gets right. to go on this kind of like I'm, I'm checking it off the list i have this cool faction so i've got that on my belt now and i'm and i've got this mentor role where i can tell these guys this really important stuff and i can become a tully blanchard and switch positions and honestly if you listen to any talk as jericho he has said himself how much he loves doing commentary literally right. deep down he did and not realize great for it yeah 100 percent. especially once oh, yeah. you take away this like the like wipe away the jericho facade of him being in an angle and let him just mm-hmm. be really genuine about wrestling and what he's seeing he, he could be a very good heel commentator in the and i know it's the comparison that gets made all the time but bobby heenan played a heel character commentator and jericho could very easily do that very easily do that um Next match I have written, and obviously this isn't in card order. This is just what I have written down as. Uh, you have Cody and Darby versus Powerhouse Hobbs and <laughs> Ricky Starks. I hate saying it. I don't even like saying it. It just seems way too on the nose. But, like, I get it. Yeah, I get but, it. He is a powerhouse, but he should be Will the Powerhouse Hobbs. 
Don't yes. just become powerhouse yes. Hobbs yes. all of a sudden. We've been calling yeah. him Willie Hobbs and Will Hobbs. Like yeah. what? Because he got Taz. Yeah. It's not WWE, bro. We're not getting rid of your first name. No, we're just replacing it with another random noun. Fail. Um, random noun Hobbs. Um, yeah, should be a fun should be a fun match. Uh, I'm happy to see Ricky and Hobbs getting a spotlight. Uh, Cody and Darby teaming is interesting. Especially with I, their history, Darby just winning the title with their off of Cody. And the fact that Cody can't figure out what the fuck alignment he is from day to day. He plays a heel and then he plays a face and wrestles heel. It's weird. Um, throwing out there really quickly, I love Darby's ring jacket with the tax on it. That's cool as shit. That's very on brand. It's unique and it's cool. Yeah, and it hurts apparently. One would think. I mean, <laughs> it's real tax. It's it is legitimate um, tax. We have the uh, and we may have some interference from actual involvement from Taz this time. Now that Taz has gotten physical, do um, you think that was a shoot or a work or a work shoot? Do you think Cody said oh, like, "Hey, no, man"? 100% work. There's no way that's not a work. Yeah, I mean, I hope There's so, no but it seemed there was some genuine anger in Taz when I watched the segment. Like he did a great job of playing. That's that's a, that's because Taz is a good actor. He's great. He really is. I mean, give him big props. But um, what I'm more curious is to if this is going to lead to Taz actually having a match. That's what I'm curious. Is this oh, is my God. Could Taz have a match with Cody and it be one of the greatest things of all time because I'm here for it? I'm wondering if we're going to get to that point eventually. Could you, okay. Hold the fucking phone. I just was, thought of the craziest gonna, finish. Yeah. I Cody don't know what has, Taz's health is like. Okay, I don't well, know what Taz's health is like. So let's just assume he's in a good place and can go. Okay, right. Whole match could be whatever amazing creative drama they want. You know, Taz is a physical, hard hitting, bump style, physical. It's a Cody. It's a Cody pay per view match, so it, it's got shenanigans. Okay, good, good, good. But how about this? Cody goes for the crossroads, and instead of actually hitting it, it gets spun out into the Taz mission for the finish. It would be. So good if they if they yeah. can get it to look how in my head I see it it's amazing like it blew my brains. I I I don't know how Taz's health is if he can still go I want to think he can, but if he can even if it's limited capacity, Cody's a good dance partner because Cody's matches have so much shenanigans that can camouflage a lot of that shit anyway. Fact. Um. So the next match we have is the. Uh, the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal, which just they haven't really built it up at all. Like there's it just kind of got thrown around to the card, so it's a little odd. Uh, but it's also their way of getting guys like Hangman and the Dark Order and a lot of people onto the card, which is cool. Um, a very pay-per-view move to do. Yeah, it is, it is. Um, I'm also kind of feeling like this is a way for them to transition the ring off of MJF because clearly he's got other things he can do with this gimmick now. So maybe put it on somebody else. Truth be told, if not for uh, if not for the match we just talked about, Ricky Starks would be perfect for it. Insane. I think um, uh, honestly, Dynamite Diamond Rink goes to one of two people. Realistically, and, and, and you're gonna love what I say, but honestly, there are only two names that I think deserve something to signify that they have reached some sort of icon status within the company, and that's OC. Well. Hangman, we have to take no offense. Hangman gets taken okay, out of the equation right, for right, me, and I right, only say right. and I only say Hangman's out of the equation because you know he's got bigger fish to fry. You can right. see it on the marquee. Right. 
Hangman versus Omega at Revolution for that title. It's happening. Just be prepared, right. folks. But Orange Cassidy is a name that I believe if he had any gold or any kind of clout like that, it bumps his stock even more. It makes him even more legitimate. And the fans buy into him, right? Sorry, I just I just pictured him wearing the ring around his thumb and giving the half-ass thumbs up. Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> here for it. I'm so here for it. He's just like. Okay, that alone sold me on it. Or John Silver. And I know John Silver currently is the BTE I, champ. I don't know if you knew about that, but he's the BTE I know, champ. I know. But I think that he's another great contender for somebody who has proven their work rate outside of the ring as well as in the ring and needs to be given some sort of accolade to say, hey, man, we invest in you. And even if it's just this small seed, look at MJF used that gimmick for a year right. and pushed himself to do what he did. And just committed to that diamond ring. What to if me, Wardlow wins it? That would be... Oh. <laughs> Do you see the descent that just created in my head? Now, I love it. I Honestly, I absolutely love it, if not for the fact that MJF is doing the whole uh, inner circle thing. You don't want to have him involved in two different feuds. And if, he, if Wardlow wins, that's a feud right there. That's a that's a huge starter, but um, Wardlow is in the inner circle, so I can see. Yeah, I'm just saying I can't see, I can't see the unless they want to do Wardlow versus the entire inner circle. But I think they're moving. That would be moving on really quickly. I think that would be moving on very very quickly, and I think they're. I think more likely you're going to have, just to get off off of the battle well for a second. I think the MJF thing, the feud that you're going to see spun out of that is MJF versus. Uh, Sammy first and then maybe Wardlow. Okay. Um, and even then I kind of think we'll see Hager versus Wardlow at some point first. Um, I would have to see who's in the battle Royal before I could tell you who I think is going to win. Do they have a defined list on who is going to be in that battle Royal? I, all I remember is seeing the graphic last week and I don't recall who all was in it. I know all of Jurassic Express is in it. I know all the best friends are in it. Um, I know Miro and Sabian are in it. Uh, obviously, MJF and uh, and uh, Wardlow. Um, I want to say, I think Kingston and all his group is in it. I, I'm not, I honestly can't think of anything else. I, I know, like I said, I know Hangman's in. Um, either way, I think, I think, that obviously MJF is coming out with a loss here because I think this is the transition onto it. Other, unless there's something, somebody I'm honestly forgetting other than maybe OC, which would be a fun comedy angle. I don't, I think it has to go to a heel. That feels like such a heel thing to have that ring. Okay. So I don't have a full list of people, but here's so far. Uh, let's see, da, 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 da. you know that you're going to have Reynolds and Silver, Private Party, Matt Seidel, Kip Sabian in there. Uh, you've got Hangman, Scorpio Sky, Orange Cassidy, Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara, MJF, Sean Spears, Miro, and Wardlow are all announced. So maybe Miro actually would be another could person be. that could. It, could re- be Sabian. 
maybe Miro gets it and gives it to Sabian as a wedding gift. Ooh, I gave you a <laughs> ring as a wedding gift. Yeah. I tell you, Miro, another guy that I love watching do the AEW Among Us, he uh, he was imposter like nine games in a row, and it was <laughs> hilarious to hear them yelling at each other. Cutler's like, it's definitely Miro. He's still the imposter. And they're like, no, he's not. And they voted somebody else, and then Miro was the imposter, and Cutler's like, I told you. It was hilarious. If you think of uh, playing Secret Hitler over at uh, David Linder's house. It's literally Secret Hitler, but different. Well, I, well we played Secret Hitler with, uh, on, I think it was Linder's birthday a couple of years, a uh, year or so back. And uh, when Brian Martin was Hitler like four or five games in a row, it was very odd. Fitting. Wait, what? <clears throat> oh. I'm I kidding. Not, I love Brian say, Martin. He's a good Don't say anything. Dude. Have you seen his puppy? No. Brian Martin has a new puppy. You need to look at his Facebook page. It's beautiful. It's adorable. I'll get and there. Frank and I love it. Um, easiest way to distract me, and I say this at all my events, every time I do a mobile, easiest way to distract me is put a dog in front of me. Um, so that's the Battle Royal. I think the next match I've got listed is one that probably ends exactly the way you think it will and won't mean much, but I like it a lot. Uh, Britt Baker versus Layla Hirsch. You hyped Layla Hirsch a couple weeks ago on the show, right? I, I have. I've hyped Layla Hirsch quite a bit. She was almost a someone to watch today. Um, but I don't think I don't think she's getting a win here. I don't think they've officially signed her, which makes me think Britt Baker's just going to squash her. But cool to see her get in a big spot on the show. Sure. Um, and then, obviously, the main event is Mox and Omega. And I'm telling you, man, I think this is the time I think they're taking it off Mox. All signs point to that. They're calling it the biggest dynamite. Do you want to know what I yeah. saw? And I don't know what it really means, so I'm actually going to click on the link because uh, this is something that Ringside covered five hours ago. Uh, there's obviously a huge main event planned for the Winter's Coming show, but apparently they might get, let's see how long they said. The overrun? An, a, a pretty decent size overrun because yeah. they may actually use the full 60 minutes for the title match and do essentially an unannounced I, Iron Man. I think Tony Khan actually acknowledged it and said, he said if it runs over, they'll give him a full time limit or however much time is needed. Sure. Which is That's good. I mean, for that kind of level caliber match, like, you know, I remember when uh, Dynamite started, they were like, if any of these matches that are timed matches run over and we're off air, we'll post them online. This is yeah. one of those times where that is not going to no. suffice. <laughs> no. You're going to piss a whole ton of people off. So AEW probably got a whole TNT said, look, here's the deal. We're going to crown Omega, which is what a lot mm -hmm. of our hardcore fans want. It's what a lot of wrestling fans right now kind of need because we need the cleaner back. We need somebody with a little bit of actual authoritative panache yeah. to be kind of lording over AEW. And what a better person than Kenny, honestly. Um, right. And then also this fuels future feuds. And, and, and there's so many things that can spin out of this. You have the elite then that are all champions and all heel champions essentially at that, which creates an interesting thing. Elite. Are the Young Bucks heels though? They're those no weird knows. tweeners, but yeah, they're pretty much. But <laughs> I agree with you. I think this is the time as a, as a wrestling fan, just get ready. John Moxley will not walk out of Winter is Coming with the title, I don't think. Uh, unless it's so telegraphed that they maybe make a rematch that happens the following week immediately. But I just don't see it. Not You're not going to build up your biggest show of the year right, right before the holiday season and then have some Tom fuckery. You're going to push the needle forward and try to try and to make talked moves. about this this feud this match this this title change 
for a while now. We've talked about the, probably the last three or four shows we've had something talking about it. Yep. And I think at this point, we're just, this is it. This is where it has to be. Um, and it looks like an awesome show. And what's cool is that we have the awesome show on Wednesday, and that's going to lead into another awesome show at the end of this week. Because Sunday night, I wish I could do it the justice that William Regal does. We have War Games. War Games! War Games! I can't do it with the... William Regal saying War Games is such a freaking mood that I love it. And, like, if you watch the actual announcement of the show, uh, like, on NXT TV when you had Pat McAfee's crew on the ramp and the Undisputed Era in the ring, and Regal comes out and steps in between them and looks at both of them like he's going to say he knows what it's going to be. And you hear, I think it's Fish, and you hear Adam Cole in the back, say it, just say it, Regal, say it. Whoa, guy. <laughs> it's awesome. Whole freaking mood. Uh, and it looks like it's a great show. Um, obviously, I mean, it's an NXT takeover. Of course, it's going to be a great show. The, Even the, if you haven't watched a second of NXT yeah. programming, tune in because it's going to be fantastic. So the perspective card right now is only four matches, but given the two of them are War Games matches, the only need for matches. Probably be, I would say they're probably a total of five. Usually they have five or six matches on a war on a on a on a uh, any take kind of takeover. About four or five. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they left it at four. Sure. Um, you got uh, Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis in a strap match. Cool. That'll be a banger. I mean, Grimes is a great wrestler for one, but he's got, you know who Cameron Grimes reminds me of? And this might come as a shock to you. AJ. Like our friend AJ? AJ Styles. Oh. (laughs) In the sense, no, no. In the sense that he is a great wrestler. He's very good in the ring. Maybe not not to the quality of AJ, but he can hit the comedy self-deprecating vibe like AJ does really well too. Without even trying. Yeah. He's just he's got a he's got very good comedic timing as well. Which is something that really AJ didn't even have until he went to New Japan, which is very odd. It's because he hung um, around them good brothers so goddamn much. They corrupted yeah. AJ. That's what happened. He went from a good yeah. old boy to a good old boy. <laughs> um the Loomis Loomis is Loomis is an interesting guy. He is, um, I, I'm trying to think of a good comparison. He's not, he's solid in the ring, but not great. Nothing he does is really going to wow you in the ring, like from a ring work perspective. But the dude plays such a cool, fun, like, character that he's, he's fun to watch. He's really fun to watch. Some of those and, work great guys are just amazing to watch when they just yeah. are solid no matter what. Oni Lorcan is a great example of that. Yeah. Well, like even I would say Lorcan's more of a work great guy than than Loomis is. Even. Sure. But Loomis like has five, maybe six moves. That's about it. Most of his stuff is just character work. He's very similar in a way to a different take on the fiend where the fiend's not doing a whole lot of different moves, but it's all mystique. It's all aura. And so much of what Loomis does is just staring at people. Literally. That's it. Staring and not moving. Uh, they had a match that wasn't this, this most recent week, but the week prior, they had a blindfold match. I know. Yes, it was last week. It was a uh, last week's match blindfold match where both of them had bags over their heads, Loomis and, and Grimes and Grimes played it up. As you would expect, he's hitting the ref. He's slinging wildly. 
He's doing all kinds of goofy shit. Nearly he loses the bag over. at one point and tries to cheat by walking around without the bag on his head. Loomis didn't move the, for like two-thirds of the match, just stood there, did not move. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> it was wonderful. Um, so, I mean, I, strap matches, by definition, are not usually the most entertaining. There's so many things they have to work through, hoops to jump through. But this one should be fun just for the fact that I think the two of them can make it silly enough in a good way. Um, next match on the card, we have the North American Championship uh, defended by uh, defended by Leon Ruff against Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest, uh, which is kind of the weird uh, the weird feud that started by what was supposed to have been a squash match. The Priest helped Ruff win, and now Ruff's getting really big for his britches and saying, "I'll take both of you on." Not 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 big not big for his britches and that he's overconfident, but like, no, I'm I'm not a joke. And Johnny Gargano is such a delusional, fucking wonderful heel that he's just fun. He hates wheels. He has he, there's a conspiracy because of the wheel of, of whatever that he had to spin to get it at the Halloween Havoc match. Now he has a conspiracy against wheels. It's it's wonderful. Gargano is a that. fucking treasure. Heel Gargano is a treasure. Um, then we have the women's war games match, which we're not entirely set yet. We're still missing one person, although it seems pretty obviously who's going to be who it's going to be. Uh, Team Candice LeRae, uh, Tony Storm, who just turned heel. They turned Tony heel, which I love. Uh, Dakota Kai and Raina Gonzalez, or excuse me, um, Raina, not Raina Gonzalez anymore. What's her name now? Uh, God damn it. It was Raina Gonzalez. Now it is uh, Raquel Gonzalez. Sorry. Um, versus uh, Team Shotzi, which is Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and to be named. Which, considering that EO's not on the card, EO got beat up by Team Loray last week. Probably going to be EO, especially because they had that great match with her and Rhea Ripley. Now they have each other's respect. Yeah. So, very likely to be Loray, Storm, Kai, and Gonzalez versus Shotzi, Amber Moon, Rhea Ripley, and EO Shirai, which should be a fucking Bang. banger of a match. Oh. Yes. Everything about that is going to be good. Uh, and then. You have the other War Games match, which is the Undisputed Era, who is correct me if I'm not wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Undefeated in War Games matches now, unbeaten, unbeaten. They've been in every one. They haven't lost one yet. Versus Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Birch. It's a strange hodgepodge team, but it seems cool. Here's the thing: Undisputed Era is undefeated. They've never gone in as a face, though. Ooh. And they don't have the advantage because no face team is ever going to have the advantage in a war games match. Let's be honest here. Doesn't they make a, sense uh, for the story. They had a ladder match between uh, Pete Dunne and uh, uh, Kyle O'Reilly for the advantage, which, of course, Pete Dunne won. Uh, we're going to get a ladder match for the advantage in the women's match, which I don't even know who's going to be in it yet, but I guarantee the heel team is going to win. But, again, should be a banger. I'm excited to see what Pat McAfee does in a war game cell. I Hopefully he doesn't kill point, himself, honestly. I like hope You know that, damn well he's coming off the top of the cage, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. That's there's exactly no what I'm saying. I no think way. he's no fear. I just, no, he is. There is no way that McAfee is not coming off the top of the cage. He's not be awesome. on their level, though. Like, he might be good. He might be solid. He is not an NXT professional, and I just don't want him to permanently injure himself. Oh, very true. Very and, true. But, and and then put a scar on on NXT when you know 
they can't right. afford it. They really can't. Right, right. Well, but I don't think they're going to let McAfee into that match without protecting the hell out of him the entire time, too. But it should be fun either way. It should be a lot of fun. Um, and then looking forward to next week, I believe it's in two weeks, uh, we have TLC coming up. And uh, we've already touched a little bit on it. We're getting Drew versus AJ. So McIntyre versus AJ. Um, to my knowledge, that's the only match that's been announced, like confirmed for TLC yet, which sucks considering it's in like two weeks. But that's WWE for you. God, you, t- you took the words um, right out of my you mouth. You have uh, The Fiend versus Randy Orton. They're, te- they're teasing Fiend and Orton, so I'm assuming that's where they're going. Uh, they're teasing Reigns and KO, so I'm assuming that's where they're going there. I'm, I'm assuming we're going to get Carmella and Sasha Banks, maybe. But the problem is, well, so that's both the women, or that's both the men's titles, the women's title, one of the women's titles. Asuka is tied up with these Lana, Nia, uh, Shayna Baszler thing for reasons known but to God, which is depressing as hell. Um, you could get an intercontinental title match between Daniel Bryan and uh, Sami Zayn. They are kind of teasing that, so we might see that. Uh, European or the uh, yeah the European title. I don't know if we're going to get a match, or I shouldn't say European. The U.S. title. I was saying um, we brought the European title back. Holy shit! Well, they had uh, Bobby Lashley laid out Riddle last night after that whole Riddle MVP interaction I told you about. So you could see that match, I guess. Um, one thing you probably won't see. I don't think you're going to get any tag title matches. Oh, why is that? Do you, do you know why? There aren't any more tag teams. Uh-oh, you just have the two champs and that's it? New Day, um, Street Profits, pretty much all that's left? New Day are the Raw tag champs. Yep. They've already beaten the Hurt Business twice for the titles. Twice in like three weeks. Can you name off another team on Raw? I can't at all. Retribution? Maybe. Dude, can I say they're this? All I keep they're thinking too busy is, on main event. But all I can keep <laughs> thinking is they let fucking both Anderson and Gallows and the Revival away when they are desperately in need of tag teams. That's like the Bears mm-hmm. having Patrick Mahomes as a pick and going. Nah, fuck it. We'll pick Trubisky instead. He'll be a better quarterback for sure. You want to add some lemon juice to the salt you're rubbing in the wounds right now? Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, this is fact. <laughs> um, I mean, the situation's not any better over on SmackDown uh, because you have the closest thing you have to another tag team on SmackDown other than the Street Profits is Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Ick. Ew. God, another great group of wrestlers they just have killed off into meaninglessness. Dolph Ziggler used to be one of my favorites. His cash-in is one of the moments I love the most in wrestling history. He love has become cash-in. forgotten. Love the cash-in. I've never been a big fan of his, though. I've never... I've Other than the, uh, the Soul Survivor moment, I really cannot think of a Dolph Ziggler match I've really gone out and enjoyed. Other than, I guess, the, maybe the Miz thing, the Miz feud a couple years back with the brand split. That was fun. But beyond that, Miz just, or Ziggler just doesn't do much for me. Sure. I mean, I, I guess, 
I guess technically thinking of tag teams, you do have Miz and Morrison on Raw, but they're more involved with the main title, so it doesn't really matter there. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a mess. Tag, the state of tag team wrestling in WWE is a fucking mess. Um, and yeah, even on NXT, uh, you have Birch and Lorcan, you have Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era has already had the titles like, what three times, two or three times now. Record setting yeah, champs. I think it's three because that wiped out Revival having yeah. any championship. Uh, yeah. You know, um, you have Brizongo. Uh, you have Ever Rise, and I think that might be it. Okay. So there's not really that much to replace anybody on Raw and SmackDown. No. So not at all. Yeah, it's just it's Vince reacted to AEW really hyping tag team wrestling by just killing tag team wrestling dead on his own programming. We're not even gonna feature it. We don't care. Silly. It's not worth the time. We'd rather have random tag team main events between two singles people than have actual tag teams. It's it's sad. It really is. Utter fail, my friend. You know, we're running a little long. I think I'm gonna save the someone to watch for next week. That, okay, that, I think that's a good idea. Sounds, we can. We're, uh, uh, we're, we've uh, we've joked around about uh, the show taking place on Wednesday night, and I think we're we're about less than thirty seconds from it being Wednesday at this point. Well, so. for you it will be. For me, it will be still eleven o'clock. Uh, so you know, far be it for me to be in a different part of the state. God damn it! In the same state, we're in two different times. The world is so weird. No, I, don't I understand. You it. would think I would be prepared for that. With uh, my job, we uh, we serve as sixteen counties, and two of them, just two of them, are in different time zones. One of them's up this <laughs> when way. When you're doing I event bet. planning, it's all kinds of fun. When you're advertising, that's all kinds of fun. Oh yeah, it's like oh, we got to plan for that hour drive plus the hour we lose, so we got to leave two hours early. Well, I can't tell you how many times I get somebody calling me and say, "Hey, that start time is that eleven o'clock a or Eastern or Central?" I'm like, well. It says on the website, all times Eastern. Did you get it off the website? Well, yeah, I just didn't see that. Well, there you go. Now you have your answer, answer. Chief. When the answers that you want are in the questions that you state, come what may. Anyways. I will will say nothing about answering questions at this point. (laughs) All right. Well, Buckles, I think this is a good spot to cut it off, man. Are you ready to get out of here for this week? I think so. All right. Well, before we go. As always, I gotta let folks know where to get us. You can obviously check out the Journey into Wrestling podcast at journeyintocomics.com. Get us on all the different podcasting platforms by searching Journey into Comics Network. Get us on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Castbox, TuneIn, Google Play Music, YouTube, and many more. Just search again for Journey into Comics Network. And obviously, a new feature that has just started last week. We're gonna carry it on into the future. Hopefully we can get the look and the aesthetic to be what I actually want it to be and not this black screen please, of doom. Please, let, to the, all the gods of podcasting, let the background work before Nate starts bleeding out of his nose. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm going to have a literal aneurysm because it's not working and I just don't understand technology. God damn it. <laughs> Anyways, folks, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Buckles, was there anything else you wanted to add before we slide on out of here? I think we're good. Stay safe. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. I agree with that sentiment. All right, folks. Well, let's take it home. As always, for Journey Into Wrestling, this has been Journey Into Wrestling. Season 5, Episode 8, Sliding Jimmy Johns into the Nightstand. I'm Nate. (laughs) 
Oh, God, help me on buckles. <laughs> and we will see you guys after winter has cometh all over your face. Later. Oh. <laughs>